You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Guma. Tonight, Derek Yansa van Rensburg from Anchor and Roy Motooni from Sunlam Investments. Uh, join us to unpack your stock-related questions. Uh, be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. My goodness, gents, this year is going by so fast. Yeah. We are already at the end of August and... Uh, Derek, what have you made of, of trading and sentiment in August? Because it seemed quite bad. And just when we thought this week that the markets were trying to make uh, a, a comeback as they were wrapping up the month, now we're, we're seeing some red coming back to the JSC. So what do you make of trading this month? So look, it's been, um, it's been quite an interesting sort of uh, tale that's taken place in terms of how markets have played out through the course of this year. You know, it wasn't long ago that we saw first rand as a proxy uh, below 60 rand a share today, sitting just under 74 rand a share. So we've certainly had some upside through the course of the year, particularly in that SA banking space where we've seen a bit of an uptick there. And also some decent uptick in things like Bitvests and even Bitcorps. Um, so, you know, it's, it has certainly been a bit of a stock pickers market. Um, and it's also come at the expense of resources. Resources have certainly been softer. Uh, you're seeing Anglo-American floating around this 500 rand level, bulletins coming off, some recent dividends being paid. So to, to answer you, it's been a choppy year. Uh, going into, the, into the, the sort of trading day today, we're obviously at month end, so it did look like there was quite a lot of volume going through, particularly in the auction, as you saw, quite a bit of selling pressure coming through. But um, I'm, I'm starting to turn a little bit more bullish on resources at this point. Um, and yeah, I think the choppy environment will probably persist, but it certainly has been very much about offshore markets, tech stocks, uh, anything to do with AI. That's really where, where the equity exposure is given, given some decent returns through the course of this year. Yeah. And talking about choppy, I mean, look at the currency. Uh, just a few days ago, it was under 18 rand 50 against the US dollar. Now it's back at uh, 18 rand 90, looking like it wants to knock uh, on that 19 rand level against the dollar again. Uh, Roy, uh, yeah, does, does uh, risk uh, remain uh, under pressure at this point? Well, the thing about the RAND is it's, it's incredibly volatile and it reacts to the extremes when there's movements in EMs, movements in the dollar, and also significant movements domestically. So what we've seen since the beginning of the, of the year is it's been tracking the dollar. So as the dollar, when the dollar weakened, we saw that stronger RAND and we're all excited about where it was going. Then yields in the U.S. started picking. And I, and I think it's amazing to imagine that two-year yields actually touch that 5% level. Um, and if two-year yields there are that high and 10-year yields are above 4.5, there's really no reason why the RAND should strengthen because um, the, 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 the market knows very well we have a hawkish sub. The Saab wants to keep the gap between us and the U.S. at relatively constant levels. So, so then, you know, interest rates will go up. So, so that's been the tale of the RAND. And, and I think as well, there's been something else influencing the RAND that hasn't been mentioned very much. When you looked at yesterday and the fiscal positioning, the fiscal position looking like it's weakening, which probably implies greater debt issuance um, over the medium term. 
that just means pressure on the rand continues to grow. So while all these models show that the rand is probably worth, I don't know, anything from 14 to 10, depending on which model you see, I think the incentive for it to actually strengthen to those levels is quite minimal at this point in time. Well, as we're talking about the rand, there is a question uh, here on the currency. Surely there mm-hmm. is better or are better opportunities offshore than local. But with rand at current levels, does it make sense then to buy local companies in rands like Supergroup, Anglo Gold, Richmond that earn income overseas? Derek? Um. You know, I must say there's always been for quite some time quite a big disparity in terms of local market perform- market performance relative to the developed world and some of the other markets out there. So I still think that South Africa is in a very uh, choppy environment, precarious environment. Uh, the question you've got to ask is, does it warrant the risk? You know, for the first time in a long time, we've got a lot of other asset classes that are starting to look interesting. And that talks to the bond market, for example, uh, where you can get really good, strong yields in excess of 10 percent, lock in some good coupons. um, And you've got to ask yourself, are we going to do that in the equity space where you can make over a 12 month period a good 10 to 15 percent? And does it warrant the risk? Um, I would probably say yeah, I wouldn't be chasing uh, sort of uh, buying dollars at these levels on the exchange rate. I would hopefully, st- hopefully we do start to see a bit of a stronger rand, and I'd be patient. And if it means me sitting on a bit of rand cash for now, I'm happy to do that. And if you want to increase that yield and happy to ride out some short-term volatility, you could also look at the bond market. That doesn't discount the fact that there are some good quality companies locally that are producing good good uh, numbers. Bitcorp is probably a good point in case out here yesterday with some really strong numbers. Uh, also a nice, decent brand hedge. So, you know, if you're selective and you choose the right stocks, then yes, you can you can be patient, but expect some volatility in that process. But don't discount what cash and what the bond market is giving you at this point of the cycle. Mm. I mean, it's it's quite interesting because uh, when the rand is like this, you kind of want to go for rand hedges. But then uh, there are also these counters, these uh, SA encounters that are being beaten down because of that uh, weakened rand, which now take them to quite attractive levels. So, uh, Roy, what do you do in this situation? My perspective is a little bit more of a medium to longer term one. I think over time, what you need to get rid of is your home bias. You should have some exposure domestically, some exposure internationally, and and you bleed that in over time. So that when the rand moves in this way, what you do is change your allocation on at the margin. Don't do whole, whole, whole shifts because I think anyone who says they can call the rand um, yeah, I'd ask that guy for the lot of numbers as yeah. well because <laughs> <laughs> that that would be yeah. It's it's very difficult to call the rand on a short short term basis. Like we said, it looks very cheap now, but it's not moving. I, I think investors must be bottom up. They must try and hedge away their home bias. So there's a huge global market, but there's also value here exactly like you're saying. So if you build your portfolio with that in mind over time, I think what you'll find is you have a well-valued portfolio that's nicely diversified across geographies, currencies, and outlooks. So, So you don't necessarily need to be at the extremes at any one given point in time.
Now, all right. Well, uh, talking about some of those counters uh, that uh, do get hit by uh, weaker rand and kind of negative sentiment mm -hmm. uh, towards the country, uh, what are the retailers, or rather all the retailers? But uh, Mr. Price, uh, there are two questions here on Mr. Price. Mm -hmm. uh, please comment on Mr. Price share value collapse today. Uh, well, that was actually yesterday. And then uh, this one today, more yawning. Mr. Price down 8% at the close yesterday with no sense announcement. 10% uh, at one time. Uh, volume three times normal sends out next day. Uh, well, that's today. To me, the screams of insider trading or what, but this is SA and nothing will happen or will it? Well, someone did mention actually on Stockwatch on Tuesday that there would be an uh, MSCI uh, rebalance uh, where some selling was expected. Derek, is that all it is? Yes, so <clears throat> there was that rebalance as we moved into the last trading day of the month, which was today. But typically what happens is a lot of that stock starts to change hands um, on the approach of month end. Um, and the amount of volume that actually needs to go through, even though it's a very small sort of shift in reweighting in the MSCI index, is massive. And I think it constitutes... Uh, probably 15 to 20 trading days worth of volume from its average daily volume traded. So it is a lot of stock that actually has to go through the market in the, in the share. Um, and to me, it looked like a, a lot of the pressure was the MSCI rebalancing and also some downgrades coming through uh, from some international uh, banks kind of, uh, you know, having a bit of a softer outlook for Mr. Price. Uh, so, yeah, I think a bit of re-weighting re and obviously that index rebalancing constituted for the big sell-off that we saw yesterday. A lot of it probably in the price. Probably one to just keep an eye on if we do start to see uh, some better markets. Probably looks quite interesting at these levels. Yeah, so some mechanical movements there, but we, as we are seeing on the screen now that uh, share price kind of trying to claw back those losses up uh, 1.5%. Uh, Roy, do you think maybe this is uh, just people trying to take uh, advantage of an opportunity? And actually uh, what you make of Mr. Price, as much as uh, there are these downgrades, but uh, your, your feeling on it? So the thing about Mr. Price is for a long time, it was the highest quality um, low-end cash retailer out there. Management was highly rated and everything. But what you've seen is over the past few years, what they've done is they've tried to diversify entering different formats, different different things. And I think the market has this idea that you know maybe they've stretched themselves out a little bit too much. So if you go into a Mr. Price store, you probably see a little bit too much inventory, a little bit too much of that inventory staying for a little bit too long. And you can see that in the numbers. But that doesn't take away from the skill that management had before. And the thing is, they may have made a mistake. I'm, I'm not saying that they have, but they may have made a mistake or gone wrong. They'll fix it somehow. And, and the thing about it is just remember, you make money based on the price at which you buy, not the price at which you sell. So when there's minimal expectations, when the market is most uh, pessimistic or, or downweighting a stock, it's probably the time you should look at it. Right now, what you've seen exactly like Derek said was mechanical selling, really aggressive. So it wasn't about valuation. It wasn't about where the company is going. It's just that the index has to change. It has to change today. So maybe it's an opportunity for somebody who's done the work and believes that maybe at this price, 
um, the likelihood of a further disappointment is quite low. And that's how I like to think about opportunities and stocks. You need to ask yourself, can it go much lower? Not based on a gut feel or anything. You do the, do the work, ask yourself, should a stock like this trade at this multiple? If not, what's the worst it can get? Maybe I should get in now, write out the bad news, and maybe over time it comes back. Yeah, well, uh, Derek, I actually want to come to you. I mean, as much as you've spoken about, about this mechanical selling, but just looking at the fundamentals, um, is this one of those where you literally need to look through the short-term headwinds um, and kind of look at the kind of long-term prospects? I mean, they've, they've entered these different formats and, and they've, they've gone for these uh, acquisitions. Do you think that it's a kind of a look-through stock? Um, and what do you do about the short-term headwinds right now? Well, listen, this is a good quality business. I think just kind of zooming out and looking at the sector in totality, we need to remind ourselves that we are in a very high interest rate environment. Consumers are feeling the pinch at the moment. And, uh, you know, consumers generally are tightening their belts and it doesn't bode very well for clothing retailers in particular. So one thing, uh, as Roy alluded to, is, is management have always proved themselves over the years and they've been very good acquirers as they grow the business. They've obviously been or continue to be on this acquisitive uh, strategy and it's, it's, paid, it's paid off over the long term. So it might be short term, a little bit dilutive in terms of earnings uh, over the next 12 months, coupled with a very high interest rate environment. But, you know, cycles turn, interest rates do come down. It might be premature when and or to call it now. But I certainly think that, uh, you know, once we start to see that cycle start to turn, then there could be some leverage to the upside in a stock like Mr. Price. I like the business. I like the quality of the assets. And I think management tick all the boxes. I think sort of at this 130 level, it looks interesting. Don't expect it to run away uh, strongly to the upside. But um, I, I would be, I think valuation-wise, it's, it's fairly valued, could come down a little bit more, but I'm happy to start uh, picking up a few at these levels. Uh, let's get into property. Shaftesbury or Nepi or both offshore? Uh, Roy? I'm not very familiar with Shaftesbury, but I can yeah. tell you that Nepi has had quite a good track record, but I think it's rallied more recently. I think the whole point of looking at these um, property stocks, particularly the offshore ones, is there's a, couple, there's a bit of a difference between them and the domestic ones. So offshore, you've seen the same pressure from interest rates, but you haven't seen the same pressure, especially in the emerging markets, Poland and places like that, on top line and net property income, and that's been quite sustainable. So from a South African perspective, what you're probably getting is quite a solid euro denominated or sterling denominated yield. So that's a solid rand hedge and, and all of that. So well worth looking at. But yeah, I'd be the first one to say I haven't done much work on either of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. Nepi really has seemed to be the high flyer there uh, in that property space. Mm -hmm. um, I think Shaftesbury, people have kind of different uh, opinions about it. Derek, uh, what do you make of these counters? And would you be choosing uh, any one of them or both or none? So, you know, looking at property as a sector at the moment, whether it be developable property or local property, uh, I think out of the two, just to answer the question, mm. maybe rock castles do seem to, to be delivering some good numbers. Yes, it's rallied a bit, but <clears throat> certainly a business that's, that seems to be quite healthy at the moment and on the right track record. Obviously, these are very long-term 
yield-generating type stocks. So uh, you, you just kind of want to buy it, stick it in the bottom drawer and be patient with it. So Nepi would be my preferred pick. Uh, from a sector perspective, in this sort of high interest rate environment, um, again, you know, probably find that property prices are somewhat under pressure, um, just given the very sort of difficult economic environment that we're in. I don't expect sort of race away property prices to the upside, particularly in the UK. Um, so I'm not excited by the sector, um, but I certainly think out of the two stocks, Nepi Rockcastle has been delivering some good numbers. But again, don't expect it to, to race away to the upside. It has had a decent rally. You buy it for the yield, you be patient, you collect the yield, and you take an 18-month to two-year view in terms of holding it or beyond that. Hmm. Well, let's go into a sector that uh, has been quite exciting, and that is the banking sector in South Africa. But I'm not really sure about uh, Capitec. Uh, also, different opinions on that. Uh, the viewers asking, uh, is Capitec a buy at current levels to keep over the short to medium term? Roy? So, so like you said, the banking sector has been really good to investors over the past year, actually since COVID. Um, and it's, it's quite fascinating and amazing how as, as interest rates fell, they were probably the place to hide in. As interest rates have risen, they've been the place to hide in and the valuations don't actually look particularly stretched. And even now that we look, we're looking at the peak of the interest rate cycle, the big diversified banks are still fairly valued. I mean, still, still attractively valued. There's probably still some upside. And, and you're not seeing the implosion that tends to happen when interest rates tend to get this, this, this stretched. Capitec is slightly different. Remember, Capitec was, was the most expensive bank on a multiple basis for a long time. And justifiably so because of all the growth that you saw. Now, they've basically started growing into business banking and other things away from their core business and since that has happened what you've seen is a share price coming off a little bit um, and investors beginning to ask themselves in this high interest rate cycle um, if your focus is on retail banking um, and, and advancing loans and that and insurance and all of that are you is it is it fair for you to be the most expensive bank and they've derated it downwards now we're going into the reporting cycle for them so it will be very interesting to see how they come um, how they come out with numbers and how they're going to deal with it um, but the I think the bottom line here is at this point in the cycle you probably prefer the bigger more diversified banks this is cheaper than it was historically but like, but like I said before, I think it's important to look at the actual stock and whether the industry has changed. Its core customer is very stretched. Its ability to, to go into other business segments is there, but there's big gorillas who know business banking and all of that very well. So you're making a bet on whether they're able to transform into all of those. Does the valuation support you? Valuation is still stretched. Without a doubt, it's come off, but it's still higher than the other banks. So that's where you need to look at. Margin for safety, I think, is quite low. Um, and from that perspective, I think your diligence has to be a lot more detailed and you have to be a lot more certain going into it at this level. Yeah. And that's the thing, because, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, just even as much as banks have benefited from high interest rates now, the worry goes also to the impairments. And we have started mm -hmm. to see um, quite significant impairments mm -hmm. coming through from the other banks. And now the worry is that Capitec may just be worse. Um, Derek, what are you making of Capitec in this kind of environment, but also uh, just even the shifts that, that we are seeing within that industry and particularly within uh, Capitec as they look for growth? 
Yeah, look, I, I must be honest. Roy actually gave a quite a neat summary on exactly where Capitec is at the moment. So yeah. I think <clears throat> just kind of going into the end part of his comments, I yeah. think that it's a bank that's been a little bit more expensive than the other banks. Mm -hmm. Am I willing to pay the current price, you know, relative to what I can buy in an ABSA or a First Rand or a Nedbank, for example? Not really. I think that... Uh, the market's still probably kind of re-evaluating the, or revaluing the share back to a more palatable valuation. So um, I'm not excited by it right now. Um, I am, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit concerned about uh, the sort of the, the LSM market that they play in and how the consumer's feeling in this high interest rate environment. Um, but I certainly think that from a, a financial management perspective, the bank does exceptionally well in terms of provisioning when you go through those financials. So, you know, you you obviously may see a slew of bad debts, but what I can tell you is that they financially manage the income statement in such a way that provisions are adequately provided for. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you're going to see any massive shocks uh, from a financial perspective there, but do I see it sort of running away to the upside? No, I don't. And you probably find your margin of safety in an ABSA or a net bank is a little bit better than, than looking at a capitec at the like-for-like like prices. Ah, all right. Uh, well, last question before we get to your stock picks. Uh, to our viewers that still do have questions out, don't worry. There is another episode of Stock Watch tomorrow. Uh, this is on Euro stocks. Um, if uh, any of these appeal to you, uh, for the mid uh, to long term, so there are three stocks, so you can uh, choose which, whichever one or ones that appeal to you. Shell, Deutsche Bank, and ING Group. Roy? So was that Shell? Shell, yes, the oil Shell, company. Yes. Ah, okay. So those are two very different things. So, so the banks. Remember, in Europe, banks are really being hammered by increased regulation, increased capital requirements, and all of that. So it's very hard for them to make money and grow. Um, and and you see them focusing on cutting costs or consolidation and everything. So I would I would need to be, I would need to be very confident that the bank. That, that the bank is actually going to be able to grow over the medium term to go in them over Shell. Shell may have its ESG issues, but the truth is we are in an energy-driven world. Um, the energy companies have done well so far, but we're, we're in a world where there's not been enough capex put into exploration and building up reserves. So anyone who's got reserves right now and who's got a presence globally is probably going to do well over the medium to longer term. Mm. They're generating cash. Um, the demand, the, 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 the demand side of the equation remains strong and the supply side is constrained. So I would say without looking at individual multiples or anything that I would probably sleep better at night with an oil company right now mm. than a banking company in, in Europe. Yeah, so financials versus energy. Uh, Derek, what would be your preferred pick there if you have one? I think Roy makes a very good argument. I mean, we have seen the oil price starting to tick up. And I think just from a balance sheet perspective, you probably find that Shell actually in quite a decent position balance sheet wise. So I have to probably concur with Roy there and say Shell would be my, my pick. Uh, if interest rates start to turn down and you do start to see global growth come back, uh, come back in line or, or online, sorry then you probably find that the oil price has got some room to move higher, which, which should be positive for Shell. Ah, all right. Well, gents, let's get to your stock picks for today. Roy, what will it be?
Yeah, as, as, as you all know, I have this thing about sleeping well at night. So <laughs> the stock that I pick is Bidcorp because, I mean, I looked at the results yesterday. Solid performer, did incredibly well coming out of, out of COVID. And once food inflation started rolling over, they actually started gaining market share. And, and when you look at the individual operations, they're, they're, they're actually doing incredibly well in terms of generating cash, growing market share, um, get penetrating deeper and deeper into their markets. And they're capitalizing into a trend that I think is multi-year, which is this out-of-home eating over going shopping and cooking at home. Um, I don't think it's expensive. I think the market is undervaluing them from, a, from an earnings perspective. Solid balance sheet, um, consistent margins. Yeah, I would say Bitcoin. Uh, and you do look well-rested, Roy. Uh, Derek, not sure about you. <laughs> <laughs> Your stock pick for today, Derek. <laughs> yeah, I, I think my stock pick is a little bit more volatile. It's probably going <laughs> to keep me up looking at my screen during the night. Uh, tonight, I'm going to pick uh, Anglo-American. Uh, as I said at the start of the show, I think that uh, resources have been very much under pressure. Commodity prices have obviously been soft. Uh, but I do sort of from from where I sit looking forward now, kind of see the world moving back into somewhat of a growth phase. A little bit of China stimulus coming through uh, could hopefully give some buoyancy to a lot of these commodity prices. Anglo-American recently paid a div, not looking too expensive. But if we do start to see some tick up in these commodity prices, which I'm betting on, uh, then I think there would be a decent earnings leverage effect in Anglo-American excuse me, trading around 500 Rand. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to buy it at these levels. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much for your analysis today, gents. Really, really appreciate it. To our viewers that had questions uh, that uh, we had not uh, asked and answered, uh, there is Stockwatch again tomorrow at 1 p.m. And that's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guest, Derek Janssen van Rensburg from Anchor and Roy Motooni from Sunlam Investments. Coming up next, the close. Stay with us. Thank <laughs> you.